Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. Hello and welcome to Comic Book Yeti's Cryptid Creator Corner podcast. I am one of the hosts, Jimmy Gasparro, and I have a, a very special guest. I know I say that a lot, uh, but but this is, I really mean it this time. I have uh, not just a writer of uh, fine comic book titles like uh, Wolven Heart, Battle Cat, Knights of the Golden Sun, but also the CEO and uh, Chief Creative Officer of Mad Cave Studios, here to talk about uh, his newest book, Hunt, Kill, Repeat, which I was lucky enough to read the first double-sized issue. But please welcome to the podcast, Mark London. Mark, how are you doing tonight? Good, Jimmy. And now that I'm here with you, even better. So, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> well, fa- thank you. I, uh, I'm, I'm very excited to talk to you about this. Um, your newest, I just want to jump right into it. Um, your newest comic book that you are writing, uh, Hunt, Kill, Repeat with Mad Cave Studios. It is out March 1st. Uh, it tells the story of the, the pantheon of Greek gods who essentially have come back to Earth to take control uh, of, of the earth. And um, the, the, the story gets into it really quickly in terms of the gods taking over. And we, we see the characters, we see the, the destruction they wrought. And the story takes off from there. And kind of one of the gods in particular, Artemis, is, is the main character. Um, from what I've seen from the, the, the big first issue, I mean, it's over 40 pages. Um, so... It, tell me, kind of, what kind of inspired you with this? Why did you want to tell this story now? I was thinking with the idea, probably like, uh, I think it was 2021, uh, about a revenge story. And, and I wanted to do a bombastic widescreen um, revenge story. And then I remember that I pitched it to um, Matt Cave's publisher, which is also the editor on most of my books, uh, Chris Fernandez. 
and I was pitching the idea to him. And for some reason, we we kind of like got sidetracked and we started talking about a little bit of uh, the Greek gods and mythology and our, and our love and passion for it. So um, we started talking, I started thinking, and then I think that I merged the two concepts together. And that's when I started crafting Unkill Repeat. Okay. Um, yeah, I also am a big fan of mytho- mythological stories, anything involving mythology. I still have my copy from high school of Bullfinch's Mythology, which Ooh. I think was my junior my junior year of high school. We, I had a professor, we called him Scholar Holmes, and he said everyone should at least have forgotten their Bullfinch's Mythology. Like, they should at least have studied it and gotten to a point when they're older that they don't remember it anymore, but they they at least went mm-hmm. through it. And um uh, I there's there's we've seen stories with the Greek gods, whether or not it's the myths themselves or movies or or, or TV shows, um, you know, where they the, the, you think of Clash of the Titans, where the gods treat people like they're, they're chess pieces. And it's really the gods fighting each mm-hmm. other. Neil Neil Gaiman's American gods uses gods of the, the different pantheon. Um, mm-hmm. I really thought it was smart. If you're going to distinguish yourself with the story using the Greek gods, that you you kind of have the gods come not as conquerors. Like not only do they want to be worshipped, but if they're not, they're going to like force humanity to do it. And I thought that really created some very interesting dynamics in terms of where you could, you know, take the story. Um, you know, how I I guess a little bit of how, how did you arrive at like that scenario? Were you thinking about how to distinguish it and using the Greek gods in a unique way, or was there some other element of having the gods as conquerors that you wanted to talk about? I think that when you're trying to tell a story, again, as you said, Jimmy, it's so it's always um, I think that every single story has been told, and a lot of people are like, yeah, okay, I I, I know this story, or yeah, that kind of resonates. Oh, is this story like such and such? So I think that you always try to apply like your your own originality or, or uniqueness while you're bringing familiar tropes to the equation so that people can relate to. So I think that we were trying to to do something different because at, at the core at the core of this story, it's a little bit about of um, like you don't know what you have until it's gone kind of thing, and that's what's going to happen with for the main character, and it's kind of going to be like her enticing moment to try to actually like set herself on a journey of revenge and her path of destruction and everything towards who else than her own family so which happens to be i mean god's very powerful beings uh that have conquered earth um but yeah i think that we try to be a little a little original while also playing with familiar tropes so that people actually get excited for the material uh, yeah, and I, I, I was like, uh, I, I was all in like right away. Like the, the scenes in the in the opening where you kind of the gods, you kind of see like what it is they're doing, and then very quickly you you meet Artemis, the, the main character, and you kind of get a sense now what the world is now like that the gods have come back, and um, you know Artemis is is in a relationship with someone. I don't want to you know spoil the story, but Artemis is in a relationship with someone. And I found the the quieter moments between the two of them in the early part of the story is very it's very sweet, it's very charming, it's very modern. And um, I you you really very quickly develop a bond. like you you kind of get a sense of their personalities right away. I think uh, 
the person Artemis is with is a, is an artist. And um, yeah, I thought there were a lot of touches that you kind of endear both of your main characters right away, which, which uh, I, I, you know, I really liked. Um, did you have any particular like inspirations when you were developing the story of, of Artemis and um, uh, any other character and, and Julian, were you, you thinking of any, anyone in particular or more so qualities that you wanted to capture with the two of them? I think a little bit of both. I think that um, inspirations that are drawn for for actually the 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 painful moments that, that our character is going to go through. I think that it's it's a little bit of 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 my fears on the page. Like two of the most important um, people in, in in my family are well, my wife and and my kids. So so it's like I sometimes put myself in that situation. Like okay, what happens if 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 for some reason I would lose them or they could for my life. I mean, how would I react to it? How would I feel? And I think that on on Julian's side of uh, things, of what he he makes or he does for a living, I think he has to a little reflection of what we do. We are artists at a, a, at Mad Cave, trying to tell a story <laughs> and crafting like our own world. So I think that that certain personalities, uh, your fears, your joys, your likes, your dislikes, again. They they tend to sip into the into the material here and there. So right. Um, so so I think that I draw inspiration from from things that are dear to me. Right. Yeah. And and, and speaking of speaking of artists, the the rest of the creative team I I, I have here. Um, so the artist is uh, Francesco Archa Diacono. Uh, if I'm yes. saying that correctly. Um, you said that the, beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the um, you have Mark Deering inking it, mm-hmm. Lee Lowridge coloring, and one of the, the best letterers around, Russ Wooten is lettering it, but um, mm-hmm. I'm not real familiar with Francesco's work, but this book is mm-hmm. gorgeous. I mean, the colors pop right off the page. It is a creative team, like clearly in sync, which I, I mean, you know, I, a lot of the Mad Cave books, they really have this very bright bombastic style but it really fits the story and um yeah i i just loved the artwork in this i loved uh i loved artemis's look um we see her in the early scene kind of like taking a little jog through the park but i really loved it uh francesco's facial acting is very well done um yeah tell you don't need to i mean you you worked with them i just read the book tell me about the creative team (laughs) well um um, I would like to take all the credit, um, but unfortunately <laughs> I can't, uh, because uh, somebody that has a really, really good eye for talent is Chris Fernandez. Uh, again, when 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 I started crafting the story, I really told him, like, listen, I want uh, a very solid team on this. I really want us to to like turn heads with this book. So he was okay, and he reached out to an agency that we work in in, in Italy, and that's why Francesco. Is not well known here in the States, but I think that this is going to be like his breakout uh, or breakthrough book. Um, because again, as you said, Jimmy, I mean, he's super, super talented. Everything that, that he brings. And, and if you thought that the first issue was gorgeous, the rest of the series is just, I think that with each issue, I mean, Francesco was just bringing and leveling up his game. So um, Chris kind of like bought me a few options, brought me a few options when I was um, approving the artists. And I saw Francesco's, and I was immediately like, "Dude, this is this is this is the talent that that, that this book 
needs and deserves. So we were like, okay, perfect. But then we saw that Francesco was very, very skillful uh, with his pencil work, and we needed we, we needed to bring it um, just uh, to the next level. So then Chris uh, reached out to Mark Irwin, which also it's it's our um, vice president, and uh, he has like thirty plus years in the industry. He knows everybody. He was like, "I got you. Don't worry about it." So he. He texted um, Mark Deering, which he has inked uh, Green Lantern, Justice League for, for DC. And, um, and Mark basically just came on board. And then it elevated even more, if that's possible, I mean, Francesco's work. And then when we got Lee, I mean, it was just, it, it was icing on the cake. And I think that getting Ross Wooden, that he was working with us and other Mad Cave books, I mean, that was the cherry on top. So that's really how the how the whole team came to be. Uh, with you know, I, I've talked to different different creators in terms of how the you know the the, the collaboration works. Um, you know, but was it a simp- was it a you know a, more of a, an assembly line type of process in terms of script art, you know, inking, mm-hmm. coloring, lettering, or you know, was there some back and forth in terms of you know, oh, I wrote. I wrote this six panel page, but Francesco came back and he added a seventh panel and he did this, like kind of how mm-hmm. did the, the, the overall collaboration work among you? Always, always is, is either Lee choosing his own palette. I mean, he's, he's you know, you don't tell Lee how to do his job. So, <laughs> so <laughs> is he's choosing his own, his own palettes and then we're on board. Sure. Um, a few notes here and there. Uh, Francesco, sure. The script might call for, uh, six, seven panels. He might be like, you know what? I'm going to break it. I'm just going to do, I think that this panel deserves a full page um, splash. And then I'm just going to break it up. So then he kind of like shuffles a little bit the material. And, and I'm, I'm all for, I'm all for when, when the collaboration um, calls for that. And if it just, hey, um, I just put words together. So when your artist telling you like, hey, visually, I think that this pops or th- this can, even be better. Um, I let them take the reins, and of course, because Chris is there, which again, fantastic editor. Um, he's always like on point and trying to keep everybody in check. Because for mm-hmm. me, is uh, I see every single piece of art that that gets thrown back, and I, I and I just feel grateful. I understand them. I, I know how hard they work, and so so I I let Chris be the bad guy and tell them. I mean, hey, change this, do that, uh, all <laughs> that stuff. <laughs> You know, I mean, what what is it like in terms of in your kind of a unique role with being the writer of a comic, but also the CEO and like and the chief creative officer of Mad Cave? Mm-hmm. You know, is it is it really like you know wearing two different hats and being separate? Or I mean, I would think that it would be difficult, even though you're writing a book, to ever like separate yourself from your role as CEO and, and chief you know, creative officer, like, mm-hmm. how do you find that balance? It's not easy, but I think that the, that the, the clear answer to that is that I, Matt Cave has a wonderful team, a wonderful team that, that we've curated and we, and we managed to, to thank God put together. And again, everybody does their job so well that it makes my job even easier. And for the stuff that I have to do when I have to do it, whether it's even it's writing or it's in a meetings trying to see what the next projects are going to be and or just like 
running the show and just trying to like meet with the different heads of the department, heads of, of the whole company. It, it, it just depends. So, so it just, uh, I try to wear my heart accordingly. But also when I'm writing or when I'm pitching a story, you have no idea the amount of times that those guys have shut me down, Jimmy. I mean, I just, I just, I just humble myself and I'm just like, listen, I want the best for the company. And if, if I'm going to be um, a burden of this is not quality, if this is not something that is going to benefit us, please let me know. No problem. And those guys take their job really seriously. I don't think that there, that there's any um, yes people at Matthew that they're just going to tell you, no, they just want um, what is best for the company. Everybody's super professional. They love the job. So I think that, um, I made a, a, a big, a, a bigger answer than, than it was supposed to, but I think that it, I think that it's 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 just uh, the wonderful team that that Matt Cave has, which yeah. everybody helps each other out and want everybody to shine. So that's how I'm able to do it. Yeah, I well, I, I would think that if it was a situation where you were, you know, CEO, uh, uh, but also a writer, and if it was, if you did just surround yourself with yes people, I think mm-hmm. in today's very competitive marketplace. If your comic books weren't up to snuff, it would quickly sort itself out. You know, you mm-hmm. you couldn't you couldn't just do that because I don't think if if you didn't have that quality and you just surrounded yourself and hired people to tell you yes, there's mm-hmm. there's too many options between some you know between different publishers, between crowdfunding, between not only competing against other comic book companies, but TV and movies and mm-hmm. YouTube and all those things that you know you you, mm-hmm. you you would not have made it since since 2014 if that were the case, right? <laughs> right, right. And and you know what? And and it's 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 also um, I love it. it. It's not that I'm not saying this because I'm complaining or anything, but it does put an extra pressure on the type of work that I need to do. Not only as when I'm wearing the CEO hat or when I'm writing, because you have books from Colin Bunn, you have books from Steve Orlando, you have books from Zach Thompson, you have books from David Hassan, you have books from people that are actually bringing their A-game and that they have been around this industry and they have their audience and they have the fans. And then, okay, the CEO wants to write a book. No, 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 wait. I mean, unless this thing is up to, <laughs> it's up to par and I can't compete with you guys, I mean, I wouldn't be able to, or I wouldn't allow myself just to to put it out there just to like, I don't know, make a big fool of myself. It's just because right. I love so much um, everything that we do. And I love comics. That, that was part of why we started Mad Cave. But, but it's, uh, it, it started with, with, with a few of my books. Uh, again, I'm very, very, very drawn to that aspect. And, and hopefully I've been blessed enough up to this point to do both. Hopefully I will continue to do that if I'm allowed. And and again, if it only benefits the company, Jim. Yeah. No, and I, I, I think that, you know, that kind of, that makes a lot of sense. And um, speaking of love of comics, you know, one of the things I always like to ask is creators relationship to, to comics. And I'm not, not, it's not, I'm not, I'm, I'm the opposite of a gatekeeper. You know, I don't, it it Uh doesn't matter if you read them since you were a, a kid or if you just picked up your first comic book yesterday, if you enjoyed it, that's good enough for me. So, but I'm kind of curious, like, what was your relationship with, with, with comic books? Was it something you read early on as a kid? Was it something you came mm-hmm. to later? Mm-hmm. I was exposed to a lot of um, storytelling when I was growing up. 
in whether it was movies, video games, animation, books. And I think that comic books came later into the equation. I think that my first comic book was Silver Surfer 53, which it was him, him on the cover, Death to the Emperor. And then I was spoiled because uh, then uh, it tied with, with the whole Infinity Gauntlet saga. So I kind of like got this huge crossover uh, with all the Marvel characters and everything. And it was just like, oh my God, what is, what is this? This is amazing. And then that helped me that, that, that basically just indoctrinated me to just like learn some more and, and, and jump ship to DC and start reading their books and the characters. And I was like, oh my God, this, this is, this is really something that I, that, it, that I really identify with. So, but again, since, since a very young age, I knew that I wanted to tell stories. I knew that I wanted just to craft, um, my own world. Um, I'm a fan of story building. Uh, and again, big ideas, big worlds. So I think that comic books was actually what sealed the deal. It was it was actually what what really glued all those things together. Love for movies, love for books, love for animation, love for video games. It, it it's 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 the arts. It, yeah, and I mean, looking at the books that you have written at Mad Cave. Um, you know, going backwards from from Hunt, Kill, Repeat, and I have a list of, of a couple of them here um, that, that you were the writer on. Uh, so we have Wolven Heart, uh, mm-hmm. Knights of the Golden Sun, Honor mm-hmm. and Curse, uh, mm-hmm. Battle Cats. Correct. And I think Midnight Task Force, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, sir. And so I was thinking about all of those to try and see, like, well, how would I describe like a like a Mark London book? You know, and because we're talking about very a lot of different things. I mean, Wolven Heart is kind of historical characters jumping around in time, mm-hmm. uh, fighting all kinds of things. Uh, Battle Cats gets, I'm sure, gets compared to like Thundercats a lot, but it's like anthropomorphic animals. And um, mm-hmm. it, Knights of the Golden Sun also, you know, is is in a, a fantasy type of setting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was just I was trying to think. Uh, and I think what you just said is kind of what I would have landed on when you said big, big stories, big worlds, as I, th- I think, you know, what you said. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, your world building, your storytelling um, and a lot of. Like a lot of like high action type of stuff. And I, I wasn't surprised. I read I was doing a little bit of research before this. And I think looking at an interview where you talked about being a fan of like 80s action movies mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. did not did not surprise me at all (laughs) because I Mm -hmm. feel like you take that type of eighties over the top Uh action and put it into, you know, your, your comic Mm -hmm. book worlds. But I think I'm hard pressed to kind of to pinpoint a Mark London story other to say, you're, you're going to get an immersive experience. How do, how's that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Love it. Thank you, Jimmy. (laughs) Just made my day. Thank you. Yes. Um, I I think that that's what I'm going for. I, I guess that that's what I'm going for. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to do it any other way. I mean, sometimes I mean, we, when I sit down with 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 the teams and we start discussing, I mean, certain ideas that they go like, "There's no way we're gonna do your story like in four issues. This thing is gonna be a maxi. This thing is gonna be like, I don't know. I mean, they just have to be like a little bit more. But but again, I always try to bring like the okay, the human element, something that matters because. Sure, action, widescreen, bombastic, it's fun, it's eye candy when done right, but 
you can only get so far when you do Sergeant Uzi with his six pack. I mean, every single issue. Uh, no, that's also not going to work. So, right. Yeah. Hmm. Well, well, kind of to segue, and I know I brought it up, but to segue into like eighties <laughs> or, you know, action sure. films. Like I, I was curious, like, so what is something that you like really still love or will gravitate towards, or, you know, you, you just want, to watch something to remind you of that experience of, you know, staying home on a Friday afternoon and, and mm-hmm. putting a movie on, like what, what are the ones that you still love and remember? All those guys, Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, um, all those movies directed by James Cameron, uh, Ridley Scott. Uh, those were really my jam. I think that that for me is just comfort food. If, if I'm on mm-hmm. a Sunday and I'm just like, okay, well, what is that I'm going to watch? I mean, Terminator 2, for me, one of the best movies ever. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just like um, Aliens is great. Um, yeah. Again, I have a soft spot for, for James Cameron. But um, right. I love his true lies. So those type of things. But yeah, James Bond is, is something that, that I also like. Mm-hmm. The Bourne um, movies are also great. Um, John Wick, Kill Bill. Um, right, really like Tarantino. So, but yeah, I think that those guys. I mean, growing up, probably those those type of B movies, those action B movies. I mean, for some reason, they 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 kind of really just like, I don't know, they got imprinted in my soul. Right. Yeah. It's funny. True True Lies is a movie that I haven't watched in a while. I just saw a commercial. There, I guess they're doing one of the networks yeah. is doing a True Lies TV show. Um, yeah. Which I saw. And uh, but I, I I remember seeing that movie and just having so much fun in the theater watching Arnold Schwarzenegger and Tom Arnold, Jamie Lee Curtis, Bill, Bill Paxton's in that and like yeah. a great little yeah. role. But I just remember just seeing just every moment. It was funny. It was, it had heart in it. Mm-hmm. It true lies was one that I, I, I would revisit. Mm-hmm. I should, mm-hmm. I should maybe sit down and watch that one again. <laughs> exactly. Those, those those are really really fun movies, and I get and I get and I get it. I mean, and then sometimes with the amount of content that we see uh, nowadays, and then you start seeing books that, that are actually very cerebral, very methodic, very 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 deep, very they just go, they they carve a hole in your soul. And then again, I'm all for all those books too. Um, but for me, I mean, sometimes it's just like, yeah, I mean, th- this is I want to sometimes just uh, shut my brain out. And just like enjoy the ride. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm the same way. I mean, I, 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 I vacillate, but you know, between the two. Um, mm-hmm. and, but sometimes it is just nice. Just like, yeah, I just want to, I just want to put this on and and watch something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but kind of to get back into comic books um, in, with Mad Cave, I was curious uh, in terms of all the different things that you know Mad Cave has been doing recently, and especially with with books for young adult or like middle grade books. Um, Cause I know there's the, the Maverick imprint and uh, paper cuts. Yes, and um, yeah, I was just kind of curious uh, in, in, you know, in terms of making like mad cave kind of like making like those moves. Um, what is it that you, that, that mad cave kind of looks for when you're, um, looking to to put together like some of those books for like especially like maverick because i've read a few of the maverick imprint books and they they're diverse uh 
excellent storytelling. And, um, you know, how do you kind of like zero in on like that type of like why it's such a big market and how do you kind of zero in on that? Well, uh, that's a great question. And the answer is first, um, I'd like to see Madcave as a company that it's a publisher first and we love making books. We, we love, um, graphic novels, Jimmy. So when we started Madcave and we were like, okay, direct market and we want to make adult comic books, um, for an older crowd, um, always since the beginning was like, Hey, don't forget about the young adults. Hey, don't forget about the middle grade. I have three kids and my kids are 19, 18 and 11. So going into comic books and when you, when you have R-rated books, sometimes it's, it's very hard for them to actually relate to the material. And, and not that I have them seen the material, but it's like <laughs> there, there, there's no material for them. So it was like, for me, yeah. it was important to try to fill those gaps and, and those different age groups that, that you can actually supply content. Also, for me, it's very important. I, when I was growing up, I remember that, that I was, uh, for some reason, I, I detested to read when I was super young. I detested to read. And really with comics and with everything, uh, it got me getting into more and more and more and more reading. So with my kids, when I showed them comic books and when, when I, I've, I've seen how they really can learn to love reading. So for me, it was like super important to try to also have a middle grade imprint because you're really nurturing future generations. These are the readers of the future. This is, this is who we are basically going to, to train eventually. So a lot of the books, so going back to your question is a lot of the books is like, okay, sure. We have a very solid department. Um, I, I think that Alison Marie Pond, which is Matt Hiff Studios marketing director, I mean, she's phenomenal and she basically just go into each and different age group and she resources she researches the material and basically just goes like okay what is that our young adults are looking for what is it that our middle grade line are looking for and also because we are we have different committees of people that are working on the paper cut side of thing on the maverick side of things they're always like in the note they're always researching they stay current okay what is that the type of books that we need to give certain um this audience for this particular imprint so it's it's a more curated exercise i, I know that probably it's, it sounds a little bit more than what you're asking me but but really no, no, it's just I, like yeah try, I, no, I appreciate that answer so basically just trying to go into 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 the weeds of of what is it that makes a ya book special like what you were saying YA, it's a little bit, it's it's more diverse characters. It's more what young adults are going through. It's more like, okay, that's why Maverick's slogan is find yourself within the pages. So mm-hmm. we like in, in that younger, tender age that you're basically discovering yourself, you basically want to try to uh, read or, or try to um, submerge yourself in this type of story. So, and, and we try to actually put those stories out there. And, and again, when we put those stories out there is like, if I would be giving those stories to my kids. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate that. And I just wanted to talk about it because I really like a lot of the stuff that I've been seeing from the Maverick imprint as well. Um, I have two kids. My daughters are uh, 10 and five. And uh-huh. um, okay. uh, my, uh, my uh, 
five-year-old is just now like learning to read, you know, uh, but my, my 10 mm-hmm. year old, I, I started her on comic books. We'd go to the local comic shop and that's, you know, I mean, she had, she had comic book issues that we would get, you know, um, memorized that we, she would have me read them to her every night to the point where she would, she would, you know, front to back knew it. Um, then, yeah. And that's kind of how she, a big part of what, how she learned to read and she's into Mm-hmm. She's moved on at 10 to all other kinds of books and she'll still mm-hmm. read graphic novels. And, but yeah, it was like her, her gateway mm-hmm. into, into those worlds, you know? Exactly. Exactly. For me, it was the same. It was actually what got me then into being able to like really, really deep dive, take a deep dive into Lord of the Rings and going into a little bit more like all the Narnia book. And, and it was, it was a little bit more like, okay. Okay, uh, I'm going in for the story. No pictures here, but but I need to actually just like <laughs> go and do the work. So, but yeah, so I think that um, I, I don't know. We we have a a duty where when you're a publisher, that you need to try not not only pull like okay, this is going to be cool. No, just, just trying to think hard uh, again of, of what the content you're putting out there. Yeah, no, I thought I mean that 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 makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I want to kind of ask you kind of like a, a process question in terms of your your process as a as a writer. Um, are you someone that you know outlines and like multiple drafts, or you know, are, are you just somebody who will just sit down at the computer and 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 just get into it? Like my, myself, if I ever write a short story, I I always handwrite it first as like my first draft, and then I will uh, kind of mm-hmm. edit as I actually type it in is kind of my insane process. But <laughs> I was just mm-hmm. kind of curious as to how you did things. No, what you're describing was actually my initial process, probably like <laughs> 10, 12 years ago, that, that it was just like, uh, I would just like pedal to the metal. It was just like, okay, I wouldn't stop. And it was this and that. And, and it was just, oh my God, this is so fun. And, and you and you try to, to let your brain and sometimes your characters, they take over and you're like, oh my God, where's this character taking me? Oh, this is so cool. And then you go from here to there. But um, I later discovered that uh, as fun and, and and it would appear to be coherent, the type of story that you were going to tell and the, what you have in front of you. But that would be like on the surface, like when you would deal, when you were really, really just like, peel back, like open the hood. I mean, you would start seeing like a lot of holes and a little things that, that, that were not making sense. So um, again, working with editors, they really, really like, like stress. I mean, the, you need an outline. You need to have a, a backbone um, for your story. So you can actually simulate all the different possible scenarios or all the possible pits that, that you are going to be facing eventually. So um Again, I used to do it just freehand and just like, okay, nonstop. And on the service, it would look okay. Right. Uh, I knew it was not okay. So yeah. now it has to be a little bit more method to the madness and actually go and break down the scenes, take down the beats. Okay, how many panels is this going to be? Okay, does this flow? Does this doesn't flow? Okay, I really love the scene, but you know what? It doesn't work. So as they say, kill your darlings. And always try to come up with, with a with a very solid backbone building your blueprint your skeleton if you will and then you just basically just try to put the notes and bolts um mm-hmm. so for me now um if there's no structure there's there's 
I can't, I think that I'm just going to fail if I don't have a, a structure in place before I start. When you develop, when you develop that outline, do you, do you kind of know, like before you really start scripting then, will you kind of know like your beginning and, and obviously your beginning, but like your end point, or do you, do you give yourself some wiggle room depending on something you might discover as you write, or maybe like an artist or an editor suggestion? Mm-hmm. Great question. Um, always. I mean, a little bit of um, all those scenarios. For example, like for Hunt, Kill, Repeat, um, we had like the first arc. And because now we're subjected to, okay, the popularity of the series and really if we're going to keep on working on the series, sometimes it's that we have it to a point that, okay, let's just say that the book uh, doesn't perform as he as, as, as we expected then we can end the story in in issue six but if things start performing well i mean there's a way that you can probably just like change a few things and then we can continue the story so i always go in being like okay if there's going to be four issues five issues six issues if it's going to be a maxi series ongoing series what is it you want nowadays i mean it's very very hard to try to actually go into an ongoing series, also uh, commitments with the teams, everybody's so busy, everything. So I try to think small first, contained, but with the possibility that if it does well, then we can actually keep on telling more story. And you kind of like leave those those little points from here and there that you can actually build from there, and then you kind of continue your story. Right. Yeah, I, that makes sense. Um, and also. A kind of a, a corollary to that, you know, I not just the the demands of like publishing nowadays in terms of like the direct market and whether mm-hmm. or not your series is going to do well. Uh, I, I certainly mm-hmm. appreciate all of that, but I, I wanted to to say because uh, I know it was a recent issue. I thought it was really clever in terms of like Nottingham, and uh, I think I think volumes one and and two of that are out. Mm-hmm. But I saw recently yes. that there was like a Tales of Nottingham kind of done, which I kind of love that, you know, because when you you can, a lot of your comic books, not just the ones you've written, I mean, Mad Cave, like they're, they're, mm-hmm. they are such rich worlds that you can tell little offset stories. And I think that's a really kind of a good way to um, mm-hmm. have other writers involved to kind of play in those worlds, um, which mm-hmm. probably helps with, you know, what... Um, with the Mad Cave, you know, the talent search that has been the past couple of years, because now like you have writers and artists, um, and especially last year, I think it was opened up to colorists uh, yes, as well. Correct, and, Jimmy. And uh, to be able to, you know, kind of slot those folks in and, and kind of have them work on these stories in these like already established worlds, I think is kind of a great way to get folks involved. I mean, it's also a great way to get people to talk about Mad Cave, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's also a great mm-hmm. way to get other folks to kind of play in this sandbox that Mad Cave has mm-hmm. has helped um, uh, develop. Um, you know, so, like w- with that in mind, do you ever uh, do you ever see yourself when you get one of these when, when you're you come across like a, a book that you're publishing and think like, oh, you know, I, I could tell a story in that world. Do you ever get excited about the the books that Mad Cave is bringing in, like from other writers and and artists and creators? All the time, all the time, Jimmy. And again, and again, I mean, uh, I'm such a fan of everything that we do, and I'm super supportive of everything. And that's why, um, if you take a look at Mad Cave through the years, I think that we've learned a few tricks and we actually gotten better. Um, 
Sure. Uh, when you do something constantly, I mean, you, you tend to get better and you try to be better. So I've always been a fan of everything that, that we're doing. So bringing the folks from the talent search, giving them the opportunity. And look, we're, we're giving them the opportunity of Matt Cave's number one selling series. It's not like we're going to put them on working on a book that didn't perform from five years ago and, okay, work mm -hmm. on this. No, we're, we're actually giving the opportunity to participate with Nottingham, which is it's, it's, a, it's a very good seller for Matt Cave. So because we know how hard this industry is and, and sometimes how hard it is to get noticed, so we really like to give um, people a shot, people a shot that, that they wouldn't have. Well, nowadays we have Kickstarter and we have uh, crowdfunding platforms and, but, but it's, it's in, and webtoons and all this stuff. And, and sometimes it's harder to get discovered. So at least on our end, um, we try to give something back to our fans, to the community and, 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 and try to put them in something exciting, something that is going to be like, Oh my God, this is, this is doing so well. So, and now I'm going to be a part of this. And, how they play their cards moving forward, how they put that on their resume and and and, and how how much they really want it. I mean, that's up to them. But um, but yeah, I get very, very excited with everything, Jimmy. I mean, I'm I'm super supportive of everybody that wants to work in comics because I know how special they are and I know how particularly hard they are to work in. Yeah, I mean it is. It, it it's it's tough. You always hear folks talk about how to you know, what do I do to break in or how do I get into yeah. comics or, and, and there's still a lot of, you know, um, there's still a lot of parts not to get too in the weeds with the, the business side of it. And I only know, you know, a little tiny bit, but, um, mm -hmm. there's still, you know, in terms of the, the past three years have been, has to have been a challenging time in terms of the, you know, the direct market and, um, you know, with the pandemic and with crowdfunding and with things kind of shifting with book publishers getting involved in publishing graphic novels. Yeah, it it, mm -hmm. it couldn't have been easy to to navigate. And it's um I, I think it's uh it's good to see that I think Mad Cave has definitely found a way to uh distinguish themselves. So, you know, kudos to you and the and the rest of the team. Thank you, Jimmy. That wasn't a yeah, question. Definitely. I just wanted to say something nice. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. But, and, and thank you for acknowledging that because, yeah, the, the, the last three years, I mean, for us, for, for this industry, hasn't been easy. But again, we, we're, we're here still swinging, kicking and screaming. Uh, and again, trying to put our best content. So, yeah. Great. Um, well, I, well, before I let you go, what can you tell us about and tell the listeners what, what, what they can look forward to, not only for Hunt, Kill, Repeat, and again, the first issue is out March 1st. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so what can they look forward from, you know, without mm -hmm. spoiling anything, Hunt, Kill, Repeat, and then Jen, yeah. what else can they look forward to from, mm -hmm. um, from Mad Cave Studios this year? Mm. A lot of things. A lot of exciting new books are coming your way um, after Hunt, Kill, Repeat, which is, uh, as you clearly said, Jimmy, I mean, March 1st. Uh, then we have, um, I think on the last week of March, we do have Don't Spit in the Wind uh, by Stefano, which is a very, very cool book. Then we have, uh, in April, then we have uh, Exorcist Never Die, which is going to be by Steve Orlando and Jason Frietz. And uh, we have our Smurfette uh, free comic book day issue, which actually, it's, it's a very cool issue where you download that like an app. 
and you can see like SmurfFed come to life and everything that's going to be on the paper cut side of things. And then we have also um, some career own books. Uh, one is by Dan Penocean, which is going to be uh, oh, John wow. Tiffany. Yeah, it was published uh, first in, in Europe and now we're, we're going to bring it here to the States. And it's fantastic work by Mr. Penocean, the artist, gorgeous. Uh, so tons, tons of things that, that are coming your way. My, my suggestion is uh, go to madcapestudios.com if you guys can uh, sign up to the newsletter. Promise that we will not nag you or bother you a lot with those. And uh, you will only get like all the highlights and everything that is coming out from Mad K, Perfect Cuts, Maverick. Um, and we're in all, all over social media. Um, but yeah, tons of exciting and cool things, Jim. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And yeah, for, and I'll, just because I like to, to say the stuff, you know, I like, um, if anyone's listening to this and you're, you're, you're come to this to find out what, Hunt, Kill, Repeat, and or Mad Cave or Mark London are all about. Um, I am uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, I'm going to say, some of my favorite Mad Cave books. So if you haven't read these, uh, Nottingham, num- you got to read that. I'm a big fan of Dry Foot. It was a four-issue series I really, really love. The first Mad Cave book, Show's End, uh, I really liked. And uh, the same writer, Anthony Cleveland, that did that, did Stargazer as well. And uh, yeah, um, Oh, you know what? The last session, the last session yes. is wonderful. Um, it is like uh, it is last session in terms of D and D. Bunch of people get together and they kind of come back to have their like last session of D and D, and things are changing. And it's just a it's a wonderful, wonderful book. If you haven't read that, you gotta check that out. Um, yeah. So, in any event, that's my little my little Mad Cave commercial. Since since you're here, and I want folks to check out Mad Cave. Um, but Mark, uh, this has been uh, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me, Jimmy. And again, a big shout out to you. Again, th- there's there's no way to promote our work. I mean, you you having us here talking about our books, talking about the publisher, everything that we're doing. I mean, it means a lot. So again, huge shout out to you. Thank you so much for for giving us the space and the time to talk about comic books and what we're doing. No, it's it's uh, it's my pleasure. I love I love talking about comic books. I love talking to folks who are who are making comic books. And um, yeah, uh, so everyone, uh, hunt, kill, repeat again, March first. With by when the by the time this issue drops, it's probably going to drop right before. So if you're listening to it the day it comes out, you can go to your comic book shop probably tomorrow, and hunt, kill, repeat should be there on the stands. Um, Mark, thank you very much for for talking to me tonight. I have. Uh, it's been a wonderful conversation and I wish you and the rest of the creative team and mad cave, nothing but the best. And, um, for comic book Yeti, this has been Jimmy Gasparro. And if you like the, the, you know, if you like to listen to my ramblings and, uh, me, uh, making my way through an interview with, with talented folks, uh, rate and review and, you know, say nice things about us on social media. Cause that I think helps, or I just like to hear it. And, uh, <laughs> so again, thank you, Mark. And for comic book, Eddie, I'm Jimmy Gasparro. I will uh, see you next time. Thank you. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptic Creator Corner brought to you by comic book, Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now 